You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is the fastest growing social media app for outdoor enthusiasts. If you love to hunt, if you love to fish, camp, hike, if it has to do with the outdoors, you're going to love Go Wild. Now, here's how you download it. It's very simple. All you have to do is go to Google Play Store or wherever you download your apps, find it, search for Go Wild, download it, and instantly you will be part of the community. And what is this community all about? It is about the outdoors. You're going to love it. If you have more questions, check out the website, timetogowild.com, and uh, download the app. It's time to get wild. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Hi-de-ho, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Today, we have one hell of a podcast. We're going to be talking with Cameron Deerfield as he walks us through a three, four-year story of a buck that he harvested uh, this year, a big nasty buck from Ohio uh, that he hunted, check this out, 60 days for and over 200, I think, in 30 hours in the tree stand hunting this one specific buck. That right there, my friends, is dedication. That puts him at grinder level. And I'm telling you right now, that's some serious tree stand time. I don't know if I could do it. Um, but he toughed it out. He, he, he went full bore grinder. And he, uh, he was able to harvest uh, a buck of maybe not a lifetime, but a really good buck um, in the state of Ohio. And uh, that's what today's podcast is about, man. We're going to walk us through the first year he was introduced to this buck how the buck disappeared for an entire year and then he comes back as a 155 inch deer and then he passes him as a four-year-old to shoot an older more mature buck and then he ends up shooting him the following year so it's one hell of a story i hope you guys like it and uh, in today's podcast it, it is brought to you by hunters safety systems now if you guys don't have a safety harness i'm gonna be blunt i'm just gonna call you an idiot because 
if you are hunting in a tree stand you need to have a safety harness it's and it's not about you it's about your family and your loved ones uh, i have three children and a wife and if something was would happen to me and i was unable to work or i damaged my body or worst case scenario i died just because of us not wearing a safety harness that's that's unfair to my family so and plus it just keeps you safe when you're in a tree. I go to huntersafetysystem.com, check out all the options that they have, uh, and find the tree harness, safety harness that is right for you. Also, be sure to check out their new product called Elimishield. It's a scent elimination product, and um, it's uh, it's actually one of a kind. So I want you to do a little reading up on that as well. So I've paid the bills, you've heard the advertisements, you know what today's podcast is about, let's get right into it. All right, on the phone with me right now, Mr. Cameron Deerfield, how you doing, man? What is up, man? Not too much, not too much. Uh, I think I can, I, I can't even see you, but I know you got a smile on your face. Because you sent me pictures of a, of a buck you harvested this year, and uh, that is what we are going to talk about today. But before we get into this uh, this three-year story, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you live and what do you do for a living? Um, I'm a tradesman. I'm a father. I'm a husband. And I have a passion for chasing these giant whitetails. Um I, I hunt um, in central o- Ohio. Um, that's where I have multiple farms, but um, that's pretty much where I'm where I'm at. Gotcha. So you live in Ohio then? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Gotcha. Okay. So this buck, all right, it kind of, I want to set the stage here real quick because you were on the podcast last year. Um, and you did in a, uh, a podcast about ozonics and in this ozonics podcast, you talked about how you ended up passing this deer that we're talking about today and ended up shooting a different deer that came in, I guess, with this same buck. And that's, that's part of the story. So for all the listeners, um, you need to go out and check out that Ozonics, uh, that Ozonics uh, podcast, and I'm telling you, it's going to be a. After you listen to this, listen to that, and what you'll you'll have is just like the total story. But how many years of history did you have with the buck that you ended up shooting this year? Um, three total years. Three total years. All right. So yep. the very first time you have ever laid eyes on this buck whether it was finding it shed trail camera pictures or seeing him from the stand when was that and how did you how did you find out about him uh that was in 2015 and he showed up in november i believe okay and it was on trail cam okay so was this a just a random buck that showed up and that you had no history history with previously yeah, so he was like a hundred inch, uh, eleven point actually. Oh, so wow. he was he was he was actually promising then. So I, I kept my you know he was definitely something that I, I definitely watched. Um, for, I, I wasn't I wasn't going to going to actually actually shoot him uh, that during the uh, 2015 season, but I was definitely watching. Right, and how old was he in the 2015 season? Um, two and a half years old. 
Okay, two and a half. So, so in 2016, he was a three-year-old. 2017, he was a four-year-old, and then this year you shot him as a five. Yep, five. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. So now he he kind of came on your radar in 2015. Did this like? And you said okay, he's he's a hundred inch eleven pointer. That's kind of cool. Did did you? Right. Were, I mean, were you thinking he might uh, be a homebody buck and stick around, or did he end up maybe leaving the farm for a while, or has he always been kind of a homebody buck? So actually, he stuck around for that season until about January, and then he disappeared, and I didn't see him again until 2017. Okay, so he he was a no show in 2016 yep okay yes, sir. all right so now before we hop into 2017 i want to talk about where this buck called home so it sounds to me like maybe he was new to the farms that you hunted or maybe he didn't uh like he what your farm wasn't his core area so to speak no 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 I think uh, what happened was during, you know, during the, the, um, the later part of, of what, of what I would call rut here, he probably just roamed here and then he ended up finding a pretty good food, uh, food source and ended up staying is what is, is what I think happened. Okay. Gotcha. So why don't you describe the area that you hunt, the layout, um, and why this, you know, why this buck felt comfortable coming into your farm or living in that area? Well, uh, I hunt, so it's all farmland. Um, and we have really small patches of woods, you know, like really small fence lines. And I say the biggest patch of woods around me is probably 35 acres. Um, so it, the uh, deer have plenty of places to to eat, and they, I mean, they've plenty of places to hide, really. Um, but it's not, you know, dense. So um, he he probably so and just us out there. My buddy had a buck on camera 2016 that I actually shot, and, and he lives two and a half miles away from me. And so here, I noticed the deer roam a lot more because there's not as much woods. So I think he just kind of came in from somewhere. And he just, he just, he just kind of stuck, he just kind of stuck around because during that year it was kind of wet. So we had a lot of standing crops. So I had, I had beans standing and corn standing, uh, standing, and there wasn't a lot of farms around. And I was hunting right on the edge of this really thick bedding area where all these does were. And there was a big, there's this big rub line coming out of it. So I set a cam and that's when I was just getting pictures of, of tons of tons of bucks. And that's when he kind of just showed up. And, and that that buck you're talking about 2015 yep okay in 2015 all right so yep. you know you it sounds to me like this is just real big farmland and it sounds it also sounds to me like my uncle lives in kansas and he was te- he tells me stories of he'll hunt several miles apart in different farms just because it's so wide open there and the only time you'll have trees and cover is along creek systems and maybe some fence lines or maybe some old farmsteads where the house is just dilapidated down to nothing and that's where the deer live and travel so they have to travel long distances uh, because the 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 uh, the population is a lower population so 
sounds to me like that's similar to what you got going on there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So 2016 dis- you know, is the no show. 2017 yep. he he shows back up. Um when did he show back up and did you instantly realize that this buck it was the buck from 2015? So, um, he showed up on August 5th, um, and I just set up a ground blind setup, which, um, I wasn't real crazy about, but I set it up and I set a cam up on it. And about three days later he was there, he popped, I mean, he was on camera and he was probably 155 to 160. Okay. And, uh, I, I mean, his rack, I, I thought I've seen it before, you know, cause you know, I, I mean, I, once I'm the type of guy, once I, once I see a buck, I don't, you know, I, I, I'll always know, it, <laughs> you yeah. know? And, uh, so I just started going through pictures, going through pictures, going through pictures. And finally I found it. And it was basically his exact rack that he, that he, that he had, but just blown up. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so, in, so instantly right then, you know? All right. Now was he, I mean, did he make your hit list at that point? Oh, for sure, for sure. Him and uh, one other buck. Okay, so in 2017, this particular buck as a four-year-old and another buck uh, made the hit list. And uh, was it one of those things where it was these two bucks and only these two bucks? Or are you the kind of guy who, um, you know, will take the best possible opportunity whenever, whenever that may be? Uh, it was definitely these two or, or nothing for for me. I mean, unless obviously unless something bigger showed up, but yeah, um, definitely, definitely was feeling that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's talk. You know, I'm, we're kind of jumping all around here, but I'm so fired up because I love hearing these stories about guys who kill deer that have you know lots of history with them. Like for example, the deer, that, right. the deer that I shot this year. I only had really, uh, I thought I only had two years of history with him, but then I check in my shed collection and I have like four years of history with this deer. You know, I found three years worth right. of shed antlers and then I shoot him on the fourth year I have history with him. And so that, that to me is just really awesome. Now the area that you hunt, you've already described it as just this, uh, you know, majority of it is ag land. What is the quality yep. of deer in this area? Are you always running into, you know, four four-year-old deer or are there did this this three-year period just have to happen to be an exceptional like date no um there's always been a pretty good pretty good uh number of of good-sized bucks here um now it's obviously gotten better i started hunting this farm five years ago um it is hunted by four by four other guys i'm not the only one that 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 actually hunts this farm so um, but, uh, in 2016, I killed a four and a half year old and last year I killed a six and a half year old and then I killed a five year old this, this year. Gotcha. So, so, so you located, you located kind of a honey hole and it seems to, it seems that, uh, this honey hole is producing mature bucks every single year. Yeah. So I have, this particular farm is 1900 acres and the last three years I've killed my deer in a 66 acre, uh, acre little bowl 
Gotcha. Much I call it. <laughs> gotcha. Now, is this little 66 acres like a timber block or is there some CRP and a crick or anything? Describe this 66 so it's, acres. It's probably, I would say, 70% field, honestly. Okay. Um, but the woods that are here has, have pretty deep ranges for this for this area and it's really thick so there's a there's a, a lot of like hidden bedding here that doesn't ever get get bothered right um but this farm is 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 used a lot so there you know there's a lot of uh use uh tractors and four-wheelers and stuff so these deer kind of adapt to that a little bit also um this this farm what i've noticed is more so a, a travel farm gotcha as once it once like like once season starts gotcha so is there a higher population of deer on the farm during the summer months or, or does it ramp up and more come to the farm during the, the fall and rut time? So it's real heavy in the summertime. There's a lot of deer. Um, and then it kind of trink, kind of trinkles off around October, November, and then January, it just, it just ramps up and it's, it's better than, than ever probably. So January, the the picked fields i take it that's when it sucks the deer in from all over because there's a food source there yep uh it's all and i mean it's like all these all these cornfields and soybean fields and then a lot of times uh like recently in the past few in the past few years like i mentioned there's been a lot of standing crop late like right like as of right now there's probably 300 acres within uh probably half a mile wow. right right like right and that's that's still a lot really and not only is that standing corn but it's standing corn that has all these little funnels of woods through that nobody can even touch wow so it's just like there's no reason there's no reason for a deer to even leave really yeah yeah i hear that man i think standing crops uh played a little bit of a role in uh my deer actually this year coming through i feel if that if that uh field wasn't picked uh when you know when it was or if it was picked earlier that my deer probably would have been across the road or deeper into the timber but that standing crop gave it a uh, corn crop gave it a little bit more of some seclusion back in this uh this terrain feature where i ended up shooting him but last year you See, saw... oh, go, ahead. go ahead that's just off that's that's just opposite for for me this year the the standing uh, crop was more of a handicap than anything to me this year yeah, and that's just because, because they have it, more exit routes. Yeah, that, and they just don't come out of it. I mean, they just go in there and just and just sit there. <laughs> I mean, they have water, they have food, they have everything. Yeah, so. I hear that. So, it sounds to me like, as hunters, we hate standing crops in October and November, right? Because we <laughs> want the deer to be in the timber. But then late season, right? I don't know if you have any other tags left in. Um, uh, this year, but I have, I can get one more buck tag this year for Iowa and it's, it'll be my late season muzzleloader tag, but I can use a, I can use a primitive weapon like a bow to go in and try to harvest it. And I have a standing bean field that I know is getting hit right now. I got some trail camera pictures of deer just piling in into this. And now that it's late season, I'm happy that they're standing crops, but I hated it come, you know, October, uh, October and November. So 
yeah. Why don't you yep. walk us through the story again uh, last year? Because he made your hit list last year, and you had the opportunity to shoot him, but you didn't. So walk us through this in, you know, these encounters that you had with him last year and why you decided not to shoot him last year. Okay, so he was four and a half last year, and the other deer that was on my list was six and a half, which I also had three years of history with, and I had sheds off of and everything. So going into season, opening day, I end up passing the deer that I actually shot on, on opening day because at that point I was just torn. I didn't, cause you know, this deer was, this deer was actually, this, this deer is actually bigger. Yeah. So I, I was very torn. So going into the season, I didn't know what, what I was going to do. Right. Um, so open day I passed on, I passed on, on, on the deer that I actually shot. Um, I, I sit maybe once, maybe twice more. And then, uh, October 9th or 10th, let's say 10th, uh, I went in and I told myself, okay, I'm going to shoot whichever one walks in. Well, lo and behold, they both walk in at this, at the very same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny because you always ask your buddies, what would you do if you had a 200-inch typical and a 200-inch non-typical stand in front of you at the same time, which one would you shoot? And although these deer aren't 200 inches, they're they're both mature big deer. You had you had your you had your pick it sounds like. Yes. Well, actually he made it the uh so this this deer's name is is Papa. Um so he actually gave me every opportunity. He was that I think eighteen yards broadside, and the deer that I actually shot was kind of you know kind of I don't know to my it was way to my way to my uh, left, and I, and it was a little bit harder harder of a of a shot. Well, I I went ahead and grabbed the bow, went ahead and, and drew back, and I put it on this deer that that actually the the one that I ended up passing. I put it on him. I counted the three and I did what my grandpa called a Indian kill. And I pretty much just, you know, I acted like I pretty much killed him. And then, uh, I watched the deer that I shot. He kind of put his head down. And when he did that, I kind of, I kind of just turned and shot him. And, uh, he, and, you know, and he ran off and the deer that I passed actually just stood there and watched it, watched everything. Right. And he kind of just, he kind of, he kind of just trotted off. Well, um, so that was, that was that that hunt there so i ended up seeing him like three or four more times throughout the season uh filming a couple times and then that leads us right into shed season (laughs) so last year you passed antler size for age yeah well i mean it wasn't we're talking like five inches difference i got you so so basically, it you decided like, you decided to shoot the the older of the two bucks. Yeah. Plus, I had sheds of of the other buck, and I tried to kill him really, really hard the uh, previous year. Okay. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. So a little more history with that buck. You hunted him all. You know, you hunted him hard the previous year. Didn't kill him. Found his sheds, and then, uh, you know, ended up passing the buck you killed this year, so you could kill. The, this other buck which is crazy to me it's absolutely crazy to me now <laughs> shed season comes. well i mean they, go ahead 
there's 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 reasons. I mean, he had everything that I ever could dream of, and I knew that he would just turn it. I knew he would just turn into this to something crazy. Yeah, I just I just kind of, it was just kind of one of those things. So. Right. So uh, last year, the buck you ended up killing this year was you said about one fifty ish. Yeah, one fifty five. Yeah. Okay, about one fifty five, and then just so I get a, yeah. just so we can all get an idea of what this buck was, what did he end up scoring this year? So I roughed him out, and uh, he officially just scored on the twenty second. But I roughed him out at uh, one ninety. No total. shit. Um, uh, he has he has uh, before you even get to his brow tines, he has uh, eleven scorable points. Wow. And that's and he has 20, oh, oh he has twenty he, he has twenty four total points. Okay, so I'm I'm looking at that picture, one of the pictures right now of his head in the snow, and he does have junk all over his bases. Man, that is crazy. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. Um, okay, yeah. so so he's got junk all over his bases. He's got split brows. He's got split G twos. It looks like. Uh, what else? What else has he got? Uh, he's got, so he's pretty much a typical 10 with, uh, 14 extra junk points on it. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Okay. So the last year season's in, you harvested a really good buck. You start shed hunting and lo and behold, it sounds like you found, did you found both sides? Actually, I didn't find them. Oh, um, you didn't he find held them. onto his shed. He held onto his sheds pretty late. Okay. And I jumped him in March, and, and he still had both sides. No doubt. And uh, the neighbor ended up finding him about a half a mile from 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 here. He found both sides, and wasn't you know real cool about it. I tried to go down there and, and get him, and he told me I could have him for five hundred bucks, <laughs> <laughs> or if I if I kill the deer, then he'll give me the sheds. So which I still haven't went to his house. So that's something that I'm definitely looking forward to. So. Get, get last year's sheds off them. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. All right, so let's talk about what this deer was doing. Uh, what was this deer doing in the summer, uh, summertime? I mean, did you have him located and pegged instantly, or was this uh, something that you had to really work for him before you even got your eyes on him in 2018? So... Um... I didn't find his shed, so I, I started. Uh, I I run cameras, you know, 365 days. So I, it was April 5th. I ended up getting getting a picture of this deer with giant bases, and he actually already had his splits. And instantly, I knew I was like, this has to be him. So uh, I started looking at old truck camp pictures, and I started looking at like all of his all of his all of his markings and everything, and I knew that it was it was definitely him. So pretty much from that point on. I ran anywhere from 16 to like 20 cameras and just moved them around all summer. And it was an up and down, just straight roller coaster ride, just craziness. Yeah. <laughs> and you, how, I mean, how many pictures are, not how many pictures, but did you have him every month throughout the summer located, finding him and kind of knowing where he was living and knowing what he was doing? I mean, to be honest with you, there was only two days from April until uh, the day before bow season that I didn't have him on camera. Okay, so you had him for the most part pretty pegged. 
Yeah, at least, he was at least on one camera every single day, whether it was daylight, nighttime. He was at least on, on one camera every single day. Wow, that's consistency right there. Yeah. All right, so so you have him on trail camera the entire summer leading up to uh, the season. Did you have a plan put together in your head when the season started about how you were going to hunt the specific buck? Yeah, so all summer long I – ate cold dinners every single night because I was out laying in, in poison ivy and soybeans and everything just filming this buck and uh, got hours and hours of footage of him just learning everything about him. So I pretty much knew exactly where where he was. Or at least I thought I did. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that's when the real race began. Uh, I had him on camera every day all the way up until bow season and he shed his velvet really, really late. And it was almost like a couple of days before bow season. Really? And as soon as he, yeah, and as soon as he shed his his velvet, I mean, it was like a switch went off. And he just he just disappeared. Right now, when you say and, disappear, do you mean he went nocturnal, or he just stopped showing up on all your trail cameras? Uh, at that time, I was running sixteen cameras, and I didn't get a picture of him again until October fifth. So that was from. Uh, September 28th to October 5th. Okay. So about what, what's that roughly 10 days, give or take. And, um, right. Yeah. Give or take 10 days with nothing, no trail camera, uh, pictures of him. What do you think happened? Do you think there, I mean, did you guys have a, uh, like a huge acorn crop? Do you think he just kind of really tightened down his home range or do you think he left and went somewhere else? I think he went on, you know, I think he just left for a little while. Maybe maybe he went on a mission to, you know, scope out a couple bedding areas for does. I don't know. I don't know what he did, but he just, he wasn't here. Gotcha. <laughs> and I was, I was stressing. <laughs> <laughs> is this one of the, I mean, big, is this one of the biggest stressing. bucks that you've had on trail camera and, and have ever hunted? Oh, the biggest, the biggest deer I've, I've ever had on trail camera, I've ever hunted, period. Ever. And just the history and like, all the build up. I mean, this right. year was like a part of my of, of everyday life. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear that. Now he disappeared, and what were I mean? What were you thinking? I mean, were you thinking, hey, now I just got to go try to locate him again, or did you have a feeling that he was going to come back to the farm? Well, it was bow season, so I didn't know what happened. I didn't know, you know, I don't know if anybody else had him on camera. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know if he got shot. But in my eyes, a deer like this, if he got shot, I would definitely know about it. Yeah. So I wasn't worried too much. I didn't see any, any, any cars, you know, any, any, any accidents or anything like that. So I, I, I was stressing, but I was still, you know, not stressing, stressing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. A little optimistic. Right, right, right. Okay. So October 5th comes around and you get him on trail camera again. Yep. Was it a and, was it a trail camera picture that you could get excited about, or was it like one of those middle of the night trail camera pictures? It was a video uh, about five o'clock in the day of him hit, hit, hitting a scrape, and he was just tearing it apart. Okay, so daylight. Yep. And it got you fired up. Oh, for sure. Yep. It, yeah. I mean, it. That's exactly what I, I needed at that at that point in time. <laughs> gotcha. All right, so now you got some validation that he's back in the area. What did you do with that information? Did you did you 
Were you still kind of holding out, or did you go in and try to hunt him? So I'm I'm super nerdy when it comes to my trail cams, uh, pictures and everything. Like I, they're everything to me. So I sat down, looked up the weather, looked up the wind, looked up you know everything, how fast the wind was blowing, everything. Um, which I do with almost every picture I, that I ever I ever got of him, and I just pretty much you know looked at where he came from and where he went and, and where I thought and and he he went to a bedding area that I knew I that I I knew he was he was definitely using prior so I pretty much the very next setup I set up right on the very edge of it I played it smart and I never did see him. <laughs> gotcha nope so this is where the the grind comes into play right because it sounds to me like you did a lot of hunting over the course of October and November to try to to try to locate and kill this buck so let's let's hear some of those numbers how many how many days how many uh, sits all that stuff share with us like how how much you actually grinded for this deer so i both i'm i'm a big bow uh like bow only like most of the time that's all that's all i i want to do so I bow hunted uh, from the opening day until the day I shot him. Well, up till a few days before I shot him because it was actually gun season. But um, for 60 days straight, I actually hunted this deer, and I sat in the stand or the blind. This is actually sitting for 230 hours. 230 hours for, did you say 50 or 60 days? 60 days. Six zero. Wow. Yes, sir. Wow. that's I've never come close to that. I think the most I hunted maybe like oh man i don't even want to say like 36 total days throughout an entire season and that's from october 1st to like january 10th uh and that's when i didn't have a job or a family so you have a job well it was definitely it was definitely a change of pace for me because last year i killed two bucks in two different states and hunted about about seven days total yeah (laughs) so as as this grind started happening i mean you hunted 60 days and did you have any close encounters or was it just like you were just missing every time? So, uh, well, go back a little bit. Second day of both season, I actually seen him at a uh, hundred yards. Okay. That was the first sighting. Okay. Um, during the 60 day course, I've seen him twice. Um, I played it very, very smart. I never went into his core area. I knew where he pretty much was the entire time, but I hunted, I hunted the, I hunted the, uh, the uh, edge. I was mobile probably 70% of the time, never hunted the same tree more, more than, more than once. I mean, I was as smart as I could possibly be. And, uh, so going from there, um, October 5th, I didn't get another picture of him again until October 19th. Okay. But you were still um, hunting that, that entire time, right? Oh, grinding and, okay. and hunting, hunting, hunting areas where I knew he was, areas I knew that he was using, uh, pinch points, uh, bedding areas. I was hunting, you know, everything that I knew as smart as I as smart as I possibly could. You okay. know. Um. So sixty. 60 I, I knew. I, I, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was just gonna say. So sixty days. You see. You see him two times. Was it two times or three times yeah. in sixty hunts? Well, well, so, so in sixty hunts, it was three times. I ended up killing him on the on the uh, third, third time. Third time. Okay. So in that period of time, right? 
you you were you were failing a lot. And what I mean by failing is I mean you were not even seeing him. You were going up and you were setting down, and these hunts started stacking up as losses. And I and I don't mean that in a negative way, but oh no, no. but what were you, what were you doing? Or what did you need to do? And maybe even looking back on that time frame, do you think that you did the right thing in hunting that much, or did you? Can you look back and say, okay, if I was to do it different, maybe I would have stayed out of there a little bit and hunted uh, maybe a little differently, maybe a little less aggressive. Well. If I had full access to this farm with nobody else on it, I would do exactly that and be and be very picky and choosy. Gotcha. But um, you, you have to share the farm. I don't. So. Yeah. Okay. And I knew that this. I knew that I knew the other guys had him on camera. I knew the neighbors had him on camera. I knew the farmer seen him. So. So if you wanted this was, deer, you were going to have to go and get him. Right. It was just matter of being smart and being at the right place at the right time basically because he got very nomadic he was very smart but very nomadic you know so i didn't know where he was going to be at any point in time gotcha okay so i mean were you getting so the fifth you got a trail camera picture of him and you said what the 19th Mm -hmm. or the 16th the 19th the 19th you got a trail camera picture of him and the 19th they were cutting beans and in the in the field in the same bedding area that I had a video of him walking into on the on the fifth, on the nineteenth they were cutting beans right by that bedding area, and I got a picture of him leaving that bedding area at two thirty, and that was on the nineteenth in in broad daylight. Okay, so you think that combine jumped him? Yeah, um, it probably it probably didn't scare him. It just probably just pushed him up and just got him. Yeah, just, got him on his got him moving. Yeah. Yep. All right. So the nineteenth you got a trail camera picture of him. I mean, as, yep. as you get closer to the rut, you know, obviously deer movement picks up. Are you starting to get him on trail camera more and more and more now, or is he still spotty with his movement? So that was the last trail cam picture until November 5th. Okay. So he we went to what, what's that? That's like two weeks, two and a half weeks. Yeah, two, yep. Two and a half weeks, two and a half weeks of, no show again no trail camera pictures of him but you're hunting every night right yep it's always good and and this far i've passed a buck that's my biggest buck to date i've I've passed him at 15 yards i passed a 145 inch deer i mean i'm passing good deer right so because you have your mind set on this buck oh yeah it's it's it was Papa or, or nothing or nothing <laughs> yeah absolutely i don't blame you all right so as this as this time frame between the 19th and the 5th which was which was super super stressful i will add that and i and there was times and i'll tell everybody you know everybody questions you know and everybody gets worked up but there was times and that i do have a a second buck that i was watching and i you know there was many days i was like you know what i can just go shoot him he's showing up on every cam this can be done i can yeah. stop stressing you know there was many days like that so. yeah <laughs> and how big was that other buck uh, he's probably 165 inches. <laughs> you know, when people hear that you're chasing a 190 incher and you're you're not even acknowledging 
bait. I mean, you're kind of acknowledging, but you're you're not actively hunting a 165 incher who you're having who is more of a homebody on your farm. People are thinking you're absolutely crazy at this part at this point because man, people just don't see deer that big on a consistent basis. Well, it's kind of a little extra crazy because my biggest deer up to this point was last year, and that was 153 inches. Yeah. So, so you you got you you, you just you, you came into a farm at the right time, right? And yeah. And so as this as this time goes on, and you're not seeing this papa buck in the back of your head, you got another buck showing up on trail camera. Walk us through what you were thinking at that point, because I I take it oh, it starts so to get a little stressful. It, Oh yeah, so uh, shout out to my wife uh, for handling a uh, psychopath. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was just I was just stressing every single day, man, and it, you know, and I just kept telling myself like, you know, and and, I, and and the whole summer and leading into this, I'm like, you know, you don't deserve this. This, you know, you don't, you know, that's a, a deer that you just don't you just don't kill, you know, and uh, so you know. I'm sitting here. It's it's November. I've already passed all these bucks, and I'm I'm just thinking to myself like, you are an idiot. Like, <laughs> you could have been done stress free. Yeah, you know somebody else could have maybe shot him, but he's pretty good at, at you know hiding. So maybe he'd have made it until next year. You know, so I was just stressing, just going back and forth. I actually went and hunted the hunted the other buck twice. Luckily, never seen him. That was the only two days that he didn't show up there. So right. that was you know. You know what whatever we'll talk that up to it whatever but yeah so leading up to that yeah it was a it was an up and down road uh thank thank god i have really good buddies i have half half my buddies said yeah go ahead and go shoot the other buck and the other half of my buddies were like dude wait it out <laughs> you know like right <laughs> right so so that period of time between the 19th and the 5th you go hunt a buck you know this one buck two times and then you're actively hunting papa the rest of the the rest of the time november 5th hits and you got another trail camera picture of him i take it this is a sigh of relief and you can actually use that information now so what did that trail camera picture tell you about what this buck was doing well i was actually hunting that evening and so there, so there, there was this patch of stand, that patch of standing corn, which I mentioned earlier with all the little channels of timber through it and everything. That's where I thought that he was definitely bedding. Cause there was, there's been no human access since that corn was planted because you can't actually get to it because of the actual crop. Right. So I knew he was in there. So I was just hunting, you know, edges, 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 edges. So the night on November 5th, I was hunting the other side of the farm because the wind was wrong to hunt the side of the farm that I actually got a picture of him. So that's that evening I was actually set up on that other buck and I got a picture of him. And, uh, well, uh, that morning, the reason I was hunting the other buck is I woke up to that buck running through the field right here beside my house, chasing, chasing. So I knew he was chasing. Yeah. So I went after him. Gotcha. And, uh, so yeah, he showed up in November fifth. So I knew which way he, he came from. I knew he came from that standing corn. I knew what you know. I I knew the wind. He was definitely playing it smart. I had no way to hunt him really. So I had not. So that basically was just like okay, he's still he's still breathing. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so you knew where he was coming from. It sounds to me like 
did you not have access from different directions to that area where where he was where he was living at the time? Oh, I hundred percent access. I can access for all all the way around it, and that's why I didn't access it because I could get all the way around it. Okay, so let me ask you this, and this this may be a just a difference in hunting styles, but when I have information that a deer is in a specific area. And yeah, things may change if I see him chasing a hot doe, but if I know a deer is in a specific area, I go in for the kill immediately. Why, yeah. What was it well, about your scenario? Why you kind of just hunted those edges? I hundred percent agree with you, Dan. And any other, any other situation I would have, but where he was betting was this giant, like golly kind of, right. and it was standing corn to even get to him. I, I had to walk through two standing corn fields to where to get to where he was betting so he would have essentially watched me walk in there and definitely heard me coming long before i ever would have even got and i was taking the risk of jumping a bunch of other deer even trying to get to him gotcha okay and i know at that point i know the neighbors are hunting him i know these other guys are, are hunting him so if i know he's in there or at least in my mind i'm thinking that's where he's at that's where he's at that's where he's at i don't want to jump him out of out of out of there Right. So not only were you trying not to jump him, you were trying not to jump him so he was going on to another farm to potentially get killed. So you wanted him to stay. Right. Okay, gotcha. Right. right. So November 5th, you get a picture of him. Uh, Any more, what was the rest of the bow season like, especially hunting this specific buck? Cold, uh, (laughs) depressing, very depressing, very uh, lonely. it it was uh it was just as stressful as it was in in the uh in the prior gap when I had zero pictures of. Him. Yeah. Right. Probably so, probably more so because I knew he was probably five miles away chasing. Right. <laughs> so so the rest of the bow season, no pictures of him. So no pictures until uh, November or no pictures at all, and then uh, November twenty eighth is when it all it all happened. Okay, so when did bow season uh, end and the gun season pick up? So, uh, well, you can technically bow hunt during our our, our gun season. So, um, gun season came in, um, what, I set him on Wednesday, which is the 28th, 27th, the 26th. Okay, Monday the 26th? Yep. Okay. And so, I bow hunted hard all the way up to, to that point. So... Going into gun season, I knew that, you know, the other guys that hunt this place were going to, they planned on driving this farm and the farmers planned on driving this farm. So you, I mean, as you can probably imagine, I was just on edge, you know, stressing, stressing, stressing. So I said, you know what? I'm, I'm taking a gun out. Yeah. Well, Monday came and it was like 25 mile an hour winds, snowing, horrible. So luckily all the non-serious deer hunters actually stayed inside all day. (laughs) So I, I heard probably 10 shots all day. Okay. Um, Tuesday rolled, rolled around, not too much better weather, just a little bit better. Now, Monday I hunted all day. I sat in it all day. Um, it was dreadful. It was horrible. And I, I actually self filmed. So every sit this year, I'm carrying in climbing sticks, camera arm, camera, Ozonics, I mean, all that. So every single sit. Um, 
So I, you know, uh, I'm trying to keep my camera gear covered up and everything. Um, all day Monday, all day Tuesday. Well, Wednesday comes and it's finally the wind that I can go, I can go hunt, I can go hunt this other, this other spot. Well, the farmer comes through that, that day and goes out there and starts disking that field. Oh boy. Like an hour before I, I plan on, I plan on leaving. So, um, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm throwing my hat, you know, cussing. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, well, luckily nobody's drove the farm. I'm like, okay, so just calm down. Nobody's drove the farm. I'm like, you know, it's one thirty in the day. Nobody's going to drive it, you know, you know, and I'm, I'm just, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back to that same spot. I was like, you know, uh, you, you've got tons of pictures of him there all spring and summer. You know that he, that's one of the main points where they're going to leave that standing crop. That's a, the biggest pinch point around. And I'm seeing, and all day Monday, I've seen does all day and small bucks. I've seen does all day Tuesday. And, and uh, uh, so Wednesday comes and, you know, the farmer's out there, whatever. I was like, okay, well, I'm packing me a bunch of snacks. <laughs> I was like, I'm going back here and I'm just going to sit in the same spot, you know. And that's what I did. And the third night was, was held all the, uh, all the, uh, luck, I guess. So that was Wednesday night you shot him? Yes, sir. Yeah. So no trail camera pictures, uh, since November 5th, or did you have uh, one or two trail camera pictures before, uh, the gun season or during nope, the gun nothing season? Since, nothing. Nothing since, since the 5th. So you were, you were, oh, lit- then, oh yeah. So I, so rewind the two sightings I had of him, November 7th. Sorry, November seventh, the spot that I ended up killing him, I actually was bow hunting, but across across the creek, about sixty yards away, and he actually walked out on the same path that I ended up killing him on, and that was so that was two days after the the trail cam picture, but I got no trail cam picture of him that that day, and that was the last sighting, and then I killed him on the twenty eighth. Okay, you killed him on the twenty eighth. So yep. walk us through that night, man. From the time you get into the tree stand till the time you pull the trigger on him, walk us through it all. So I leave the house. Realize I forget my harness, right? <laughs> so I said, well, I'm just, well, I knew there was this big dead tree there. So I was like, okay, well, whatever. I'm just going to set up on this. You know, It was a perfect spot. They had a little tree right there beside it. I could, you could, I could ratchet my, my uh, camera arm down. It was just perfect. I was perfectly hidden. You know, and from that point, and the reason I was hunting this point during gun season is because I could shoot, a, you know, 200 yards in in multiple multiple ways. So if if, if he stepped out, I definitely I definitely had, you know. Um, so I set up I set up here, and it's on this real high bank. It's actually I'm actually looking down upon all that all that standing corn. Well, I'm hunting, and there's nothing, nothing, nothing. Well, it's like 450. And my and my buddy texted me some pictures of sheds, and he was like, "Are you ready for shed season?" And by this time, I'm like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I can't wait for shed season, man. And uh, I I put my phone away and I slip my glove back on and I and I look up and I see this deer body coming out of the standing corn down on that down on that creek bank. And and it, and just to set the mood, there's about two inches of snow. Um. So I see him coming. I see, I see this body, right? Well, I can tell. I can tell it's a buck, you know, just by the way that is that is that is he's moving and you know everything. Well, I see him turn his head, and it literally looked like an entire bush move. 
and I was like, wait a minute. And he, and then he, he, he did that kind of, you know, that, that, that big swoop and step. And I was like, it's Papa instantly. I knew instantly. And, uh, so lo and behold, I bow hunt all this time. Right. And here he is at 40 yards broadside. <laughs> and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like this is a bow shot. Anyways, I, I, I grabbed the camera as he's walking down that creek bank. I make sure he's, he's in frame. He's walking down the creek bank. And as soon as I, as soon as I look down at my camera and make sure he's in frame, boom, I drop. So I shoot, he drops, he's kicking. Well, I just put a new scope mount on this, on, 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 the, on this gun. Cause I don't really, you know, I don't, I haven't, I haven't gun hunted for a, a long time, uh, here anyways. Right. And I just put the scope mount on it and I sighted the gun in whatever. Well, when I, when I racked a, a new shell, it didn't, it didn't put, it didn't put a, a new shell in it. And I didn't know that. Well, when I shot, he dropped and he's kicking, kicking, kicking. Well, I, you know, it's dead silent. I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, gather what just happened, you know? Well, I look up and he's standing up right there. Well, I, I go to, I, you know, I go to shoulder and I go to, I go to squeeze and realize there's no, there's no shell in this guy. And I rack it open and I try to rack a shell in the whole time. He's standing there looking at, at probably 50 yards. And I'm like, what is going on here? You know? And finally I've, I think to reach into my pocket, throw a shell in it, rack it. I shoulder it. I put it on him. I shoot again. And he, and he just takes off and runs. And then I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see nothing. So did you feel like you missed him the first two times? No, no, no. So I shot twice. So the first shot I knew I hit him because he dropped instantly and just started kicking. And now and he was on the ground for probably 15 seconds kicking. And what, and what had happened, yeah, so what had happened is he was coming down that creek bank, and as he was stepping down, I shot, and I hit him in, uh, I hit him, like, kind of high. So whenever I, whenever I, I, I hit him high, it kind of knocked him down. So when he was on when he was on the creek bank he was he was standing there wobbling and everything but in my mind you know he was on he was he was standing there I'm like he's gonna run <laughs> you know like oh no and uh, so from there that's when you know I realized that there wasn't you know that the gun basically wasn't wasn't working okay man that's crazy okay yeah so did you hit him again with a second shot yeah so the second shot I I mean it was a perfect shot second shot and he he ran off and i literally dropped the gun right on my lap because i was sitting there and i just looked down at it and i said holy shit <laughs> i was like i just got papa and i called my wife and i'm talking to her and i'm explaining to her hey babe i just shot papa you know and i'm like and i explained the story to her and as i'm explaining the story to her it just hits me and I just start crying like a little schoolgirl <laughs> right there on the phone. <laughs> just like, I can't believe I did it. And I'm sitting there bawling and nothing. I'm like, and she's in the, and obviously there's nobody around that can actually hear her. And I'm like, okay, shh, I gotta be quiet. <laughs> you know? So I get on the phone with her and I actually call, you know, I call a couple of my, a couple of my buddies that's had to sit, sit many, many bar nights and listen to hundreds and hundreds of hours of stories about this deer and what I'm going to do and what is, and, uh, I start walking home and it just hits me, man. And I, by this time, I don't know where he's at. I, did, I didn't see him go down, nothing. I just pack everything up and I just, I just, I just walk out. Okay. 
Were you confident? And, uh, were you confident in the hit though? Yes, I okay. was pretty. I was. I was very, very. I mean, I do a lot of like coyote hunting and stuff like that. So I'm. I'm. Was very confident. You know. Gotcha. Um. But you know, it's. Still, I'm one of those guys, man, where I will doubt it until I'm actually holding. I'll doubt it for hours. You know what I'm saying? Like it's. Yeah. I don't believe until I'm actually holding. Right. Right. So. I call everybody. I go back to the house. I wait on. I wait on my. Uh, on my. Uh, best friends show up. My father-in-law show up. My brother-in-law show up. And they're like, you think you got him? And, you know, I'm so used to freaking bow hunting. I'm like, I'm just going to give him time, you know? And then, uh, my, uh, my, my buddy's like, dude, you put two slugs in it. He was like, there's no reason to give him time. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. So we wait about an hour and a half. We end up going in and by this time it's dark. And, uh, where he fell down was there was no blood whatsoever. And where he ran up onto the creek bank, there was no blood. Where he ran farther up up there, there was there was no blood. Now, where I shot him the second time, there was just spots and spots and spots and spots. And then he ran into the corn probably 30 yards, and that's where that's where he was. And, so uh, you saw him. You walk over to him. You put your... Yeah, so... I'll, all this is being filmed, and I'm and my and my buddy's one of the guys. He's like, "Oh, well, here's blood, here's blood, here's blood." Well, about that time, I look up and I see a couple corn stalks broke with blood on, and I'm like, "Man, forget that blood." And yeah. he's still back there looking, and I'm just, you know, just turbo walking. Yeah. And uh, by the time I turn the corner of that last stalk that's broke, I just see I just see hooves, and I just turn around and start jumping up and down like it's Papa's pride, it's Papa's pride, screaming as loud as I could, <laughs> and. uh from there, I mean, they, it's all on video. I go up and I grab him, man, and I just, I literally just, I don't, I, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> Speechless. I mean, all those hours of just studying him and watching him and trail cam pictures and dreaming and stressing, and, you know, he was my life, man. You know, he was, he, as, as horrible as that sounds, he became everyday life to me, and I wanted him. Like, and I was holding everything I ever dreamed of from the time I was six years old. I was holding it all right there. Yeah. <laughs> was that one of the hardest, I mean, I take it that was the most time, obviously, you've ever put into a single deer, but from a, from a hunting standpoint, I mean, did you ever hunt more days in a season? Did you ever, um, put more work into a specific deer or a specific season? Never. Never. I've probably hunted about the same throughout a whole season, but about three, four years ago when I started listening to podcasts and stuff, I totally forgot everything that my dad and grandpa like ever told me. I completely started hunting a complete different way. Yeah. So it's, you know, I chalk a lot of that up to you, to that, you know, you guys, I mean, you, Mark, everybody, like all, all these podcasts, just like, if, if, if you're a deer hunter and you're not listening to the podcast and trying to better yourself, then that's it. I don't, I really don't even know what to even tell you. <laughs> lots of good information from lots of cool people, dude. I'll tell you what, but oh, for sure. so you got, you put your hands on them and, and just like, has it, has it sunk in yet? Or I mean, have you taken him to so, the taxidermy? Like for me, this is the first buck I've ever got the skull plate back and taken it home with me. And there's nights where I just sit in the chair and look at it the biggest buck I've ever shot. And it was, it's just, it's still surreal to me that a guy like me got it done on a deer like that. 
Oh, every night. Matter of fact, I'm sitting here right now looking at him propped up in front of me thinking the very same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just every night. I mean, and so it didn't sink in hard, hard until the very next day when I woke up and realized I didn't have to stretch about pop. Right. Right. You know, and then, and then I look outside and he's just laying out there and it's just like, okay. Yeah. You know, then, then that was, I mean, I mean, chasing, chasing these, these deer is everything to me, man. And the fact that I can, I can pull pull off what I do on, on pressured land with dudes that don't pay any attention to wind. Yeah. They don't care about anything like that. And it just means something to me, man. Yeah. It, it, it really, really does. <laughs> so from an antler perspective, this is the biggest buck you've ever shot. What does, what does the score of this deer mean? Uh, this, I don't want people to ever take stuff the wrong way, but to me, it's just a, uh, a, a benchmark really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of those guys where I, I chase giant whitetail because that's my passion and I've always wanted to do it. So yeah. do I think, uh, do I think I, I, I'll probably ever top this? Maybe it's possible. Um, do, and do I think I'm going to do it next year and the year after that? No, I don't. I think these deer are rare. I think uh, it takes time to find a deer like this, but given the right situation, given a little bit of luck and a little bit of know-how, it is possible to to actually do do this again. But I'm still that same guy that next year, if a 158 walks by that is a, that's cool to me, I'm shooting. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it, it it's just one of those things. It. To me, I'm not worried about this class of deer until I find this class of deer again. Right. You know? Right. Well, man, congratulations on one hell of a deer and, quite frankly, an awesome story uh, that went along with this. And uh, um, I love the fact that you grinded your ass off for 60 days and 200 plus hours of tree stand time for this for this buck it came down to you know one final opportunity and you closed the deal on it and that that is the most impressive part because i've seen guys and i've even went through that experience where what i've done is i've put all my eggs into one specific buck i lived and breathed a specific deer and the time came and I probably had a little bit of buck fever because I, I put this deer on a level that that just made me lose control when I ended up having the encounter with him and when that time you know when that time came uh, I I didn't perform at my peak right so uh, when right. like you you got it done and that's that part of the story is just as impressive as everything else. So again, man, uh, thanks for taking time coming on the podcast and, uh, chatting with me today and telling one hell of a story. Thanks, man. All right, everybody. That brings us to an end of this podcast. Huge shout out for Cameron for hopping on the podcast and chatting with us today. Huge shout out to each and every one of you. Thank you all for tuning in. Go leave a review on iTunes or wherever you download the podcast. Be sure to visit sportsmansnation.com, the website, and check out all the content that we have there. Also, social media, Facebook and Instagram, not only the Nine Finger Chronicles, but 
Sportsman's Nation as well, along with all the other content providers on the Sportsman's Nation. And lastly, just be good. Be kind to one another. Have a really great rest of your week. Have a great weekend. And uh, I can't wait to keep putting out more content for you guys. Spread the word. Tell everybody you know. Share this episode. And uh, I guess a huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast. And I know I'm going to forget them because I don't have my list in front of me today. And I'm going to see if I can do it. Exodus, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Hunter Safety Systems, Ozonics, Deer Lab, uh, Prime Archery, and Exodus Trail Cameras. Boom. I did it. I think I did it. I hope I did it. But anyway, if there's someone out there that I forgot, I'm sorry. Now I'm just kind of rambling. Our friends at Hunter Safety Systems, though, man, they're reminding us all to wear your damn safety harness. Have a good rest of your week.